Welcome to the Pushing Buttons Podcast, the weekly podcast where we talk about ideas, concepts, opinions, and experiences within video games. I am Kevin. I'm Kyle. And I am Robert. And this week we're going to be talking a bit about goals within video games, what drives us to continue playing it, whether or not we're going to keep playing or replaying after we've beaten a video game. We got a little bit of stuff to cover before we get to that, though. But before we get to the stuff, before we get to the stuff. <laughs> Big news. Yeah. How were your guys' previous weeks? I will start first. Um, so, surprise, surprise, the new Hearthstone expansion launched on <gasps> Tuesday this week. Gasp. It's called the Boomsday Project. I Project. I gasped and then said gasp. You got to do one or the other. Anyway, sorry, go on. Redundant. Uh, I haven't really had a lot of time to play it this week because... It launched on Tuesday night, and then my brother flew in last... Well, for us, it's Thursday. But uh, my brother flew in last night. So I spent time with my family. Uh, but from what little I played, I'm really enjoying where Warrior is at as a class. They've released a whole bunch of different new cards, specifically for Warrior, that promotes the control variant. Like, you know, the slow kind of deck. Sure. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, the new keywords are really fun. There's like magnetic, you know, like uh, th- there's taunt. Okay. Like, I do know what taunt is. Yeah. Like uh, taunt, taunt. poisonous combo, that kind of thing. Okay. From what little experience you have. Okay. But for magnetic minions, like basically it's only for the mech type. So if you have a mech minion on your board and you have a magnetic card if you play it to the left of that minion they fuse together that's cool that's so you have two minions that become a super minion and it makes for a interesting way of a playing max <clears throat> i would watch that movie if dreamworks made a super minion movie <laughs> i would watch that <laughs> i just visualized it in my head and i didn't know if i wanted to laugh at it or, or, or cry it or cry yeah, yeah. and uh Essentially, I'm looking forward to experimenting more in the game as the months go on. Cool. Uh, World of Warcraft is coming out next week. Uh, they just released the final, you know, World of Warcraft content been out for a while. Yes. The expansion. I know I talk pack. about it a lot. No, no, you said it's coming out <laughs> next week. It's next week. Yeah, uh, Monday. <laughs> Wait, did I misunderstand the question? <laughs> you said World of Warcraft is coming out next week. Oh, I got you now. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth is coming out next week. Wow. That's going to make no sense when I cut out that previous part. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Getting screwed by editing, man. I'm probably not going to edit any of this out. Just That's for great. you. That's great. Uh, so basically, what? it's hitting the fan. Uh, the Undercity... You might know what that place is from when it's the, you played. It's way one back of the when. one of the first towns you go to as the, the undead. Horde. Yeah, the undead. It's place. the undead starting city. Right? Yeah, yeah. And basically it's been sacked, so the whole city's gone now. And uh, yeah, leading up to the expansion, there wasn't a lot to it. They pretty much just had a bunch of cutscenes for that specific scenario that you could queue up in. Uh, you could go in with twenty players, but it was badass. Like. You saw the alliance, like, with full-on, like, assault towers, like, driving towards the Undercity. And there's a lot of cinematic production value in it. Well, when I say cinematic, I don't mean, like, the full-on cinematic. 
It's like the in-game oh, okay. cinematic. I got you. Because Blizzard's cutscene cinematics are flipping fantastic. And speaking of that, uh, the old Soldier one was flipping phenomenal with uh, Sour Fang. It's their latest cinematic. Okay. I, I, I know you guys don't know it, but okay. uh, it was awesome. As Makes me really excited to see where the story goes. Cool. Um, can I talk about other things, like things I've read on the news? You're allowed like to that. talk about things that aren't Warcraft related. I am super pumped up for Smash Brothers now. Oh yeah, <laughs> they announced Shovel Knight as a playable character in Smash Bros. Sort of correct. It's an assist trophy. No. Yeah. yeah. I was actually thinking about playing that game. I know. I know. I was disappointed too. I love Shovel Knight. But I love Simon and Victor Belmont. That's going to be freaking awesome. That is really cool. <laughs> Kevin is just crushed. And of course, they also announced King K. Rule finally, which is awesome because it's been a long time coming. Like, people have been clamoring for him to get in the game after Bowser and uh, Meta Knight and DDD before him. So, it's really great to see that representation in the game now. I'm really excited to see what more characters they announce. And the fact that there's so many different UI options for, like, stage selection, music selection, it makes the game, for me personally, uh, more hype for when Evo comes around. That's, like, the giant video game Mm -hmm. uh, fighting game tournament. And that was badass. Flip? Flip. Flip (laughs) as well. (laughs) AF. Badass AF. Uh... I loved seeing Dragon Ball Z Fighter on the big screen. Like it was the highest viewed like game in history. Like there was two hundred fifty thousand people watching it at once. Jeez! And it got some help from I think Fortnite because the guy who's like really popular on there he hosted Evo. Oh, okay. So maybe that's why they got so high. That makes sense. But uh, I really want to experience that game and try it out now. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to. Getting it just, hype. just goes to show how little I know of Nintendo's um, backlog when I don't recognize any of those names he just said besides Bowser. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where DDD's from. Kirby. Yeah, I've never played a Kirby So is Meta Knight. I didn't know that. I would have just assumed Mega Man. King K rules from Donkey Kong. <laughs> okay. That I know. So he's that crocodile-looking guy that I've been seeing on thumbnails past couple days? Exactly. Okay. And then uh, Simon Belmont and Richter Belmont from Castlevania. Interesting. Yeah. That's a great series. You would love that one. I think you would enjoy some of them. Yeah. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. If you played Symphony of the Night, I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah. Are they all like side-scrollers, though? Yeah, but you can't generalize side-scrollers as one type of game. So you've heard Kevin and I will change my mind about it. Because they all scroll to the side. But it's uh, that's just the visual representation <clears throat> of the game. Right. It's like saying that all movies that are black and white are the same. Just because they're all visually similar doesn't mean they're all the same. But I guess my thing is the core mechanic is always the same. You're always going to be moving from the side to side with limited... You're not in a 3D world. Well, it's, I mean, there's that. It's yeah. a 2D yeah. plane, but you... Uh, go through the game and there's like a whole system to it like the combat leveling you actually level up in the game it's like an RPG 
It's really great. Uh, basically, when Kevin and I talk about Metroidvania, like mm-hmm. that game, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, that's the reason why they're called Metroidvania. Well, and the then, Vania part of it. Yeah, the Vania part of it, sorry. And then Vania. the Metroid part is, of course, from Metroid. Uh, Metroidvania obviously. is more about exploration than it is running to the right. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. Side-scrollers just never... Like, I started playing... Remember, I was playing Limbo. Yeah. I still haven't gone back to finish that. They always seem to have very limited appeal to me. Uh, that might be because of... And I'm just trying to analyze you here. An hour appeal. <laughs> trying to an hour appeal a little bit. I, I'm thinking that might be because of when you started playing video Define games. Define me! Define <laughs> me! Now that we're on the main topic of today's podcast... <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't get what Kyle is saying. Like, I was trying to make a segue. Like, this is the main topic of our podcast for today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It was terrible, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the best jokes are the ones you have to explain. Um, <laughs> and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, that might have something to do with it, the fact that you started playing games later, and oh, games were 3D at yeah. the time. But I, I get that. I get mm-hmm. that. I understand it at least. Yeah, it kind of hurts, <laughs> but I, I, I understand know. I know. it. Like, I know a lot of purists and people like that are. There's a big difference between a game like Mega Man and a game like Sonic the Hedgehog, and they may not they might not look different, but they are completely different in how they're played. Right, and they're even though that. they're both 2D side scrolling games, mm-hmm. or even like the classic Super Mario versus Sonic the Hedgehog. They're, those two are similar in the fact that all you're doing is going to the right mm-hmm. and jumping on enemies' heads. But even those are two totally different styles of 2D games. Yeah. I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. I respect your opinion, though. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. I hope you guys caught that Friends reference. I know you did, right? I didn't hear. I forgot. To d- define me. I, I, didn't, I did not. It's the episode where uh, Phoebe's dating the... the what are, what are they called? <laughs> Psychiatrist. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And, like, he's sitting down in the coffee shop with all the people, and all of a sudden he starts, like, pointing out their problems. And he, like, points out Chandler, how he uses jokes to uh, defend oh, okay. yeah. and stuff. And yeah. He gets everyone all mad and depressed because he keeps pointing out their stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember that now. All right. Well, I do, too, actually. That's yeah. what that define me <laughs> thing was because that's what he does. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, let's see. I've been playing some more Witcher this week. Oh, yes. I want to hear more about this. Yes. I finished... I got further than I did the last time I played the game. So I'm making progress. I'm trying to finish it before September when Spider-Man comes out because I want to play that immediately. Makes sense. I don't know if I'll have time to do the game and the DLC. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try. But I'm in uh, Novigrad now. And I'm looking for Dandelion. Oh, okay. So I'm on that main quest, and so I still have... So you just, like, got it there, basically. Yeah, basically. So you just, like, got it? You just got there, basically. Oh, okay. I got it there. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to listen back to that. <laughs> <laughs> so still, I don't know what, that's probably a quarter of the way in? I would say about a third of the way. Third? All right. So yeah, the next third is Novograd itself, and then the last third is Skellige. Gotcha. I would say. So that's the only gaming thing I've been doing this week. Um... I have been pretty excited though. I got been getting really back into comic books, and I got through Amazon uh, the Hellboy omnibuses that have been starting to come out. Nice. And I've always been a big fan of the movies, and I've read the comics a little bit. But I got they're coming out with four omnibuses 
of the main Hellboy series and two of the short stories. I got the first three omnibuses in the first short story collection. So I'm starting to read those. Cool. I'm super excited. And then uh, Mike Magnola, the author and artist, he's going to be at our local Comic-Con next month. Nice. So I'm kind of hoping to go up that up there and meet him. But That'd be cool. Yeah. And that's about all I've been up to. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I haven't still been playing very many video games. I... I've played a bit of Dead Cells since now it's out of early access, and I loved that game when it was in early access mm. even. But I, even from early access to full release, there's a bit of a difference. And they actually put in a streamer mode where people watching a streamer can interact with the game and kind of try to help the player decide what path to go and what to do. Oh, interesting. It is such a fun game, though, and there have been other games that have done that, mm-hmm. like viewer implementation into the the game but even without that as somebody that doesn't stream it's still a hell of a lot of fun and i i I, kyle i think you would really enjoy that game i know uh before the whole controversy with the review (laughs) thing uh i didn't even want to talk about that. that's yeah another topic for another time (laughs) uh it did catch my eye it looks like it's a fun roguelike metroidvania game they call it a roguevania roguevania that's how they described it but it's it's an apt description. I I think those when you're trying to describe something like any game using either a roguelite or Metroidvania terminology, you start getting people that are too into semantics to even. It's it's an exploration game. It's 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 a roguelite in the sense that it has permadeath, and every run you can progress throughout the story because you unlock things that you can later use in later runs. So it yeah. has an overall an overall unlocking system and leveling system so essentially. Does the map stay the same? No, it changes every time. Every time, hmm. um, they are they they go together in a way that makes sense, and there's always similar pathing to how the levels are constructed. Yeah, but no, they're procedurally generated. I mean, there's a game that was kind of like what you're describing. It didn't have all the other add-on stuff. I think it was called uh, Rogue Legacy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I just could not get into that game. And, I, you know, there's other games like it, like Risk of Rain. Uh, there's like Enter the Gungeon. Mm-hmm. I just cannot, for the life of me, get into them. And it's funny, too, because I could go into length on how all three of those games are very, very different mm-hmm. from each other and from Dead Cells. I love Enter the Gungeon. It's hard, but it is a flip load of fun. It is, <laughs> it is seriously fun. It's one of my favorite games in the last year. Mm. Uh, and it's mainly because they keep updating it. They just had another update, massive say, update they, that just came out just had recently. One, yeah. yeah, and it's all free. You mm. don't pay for it. Um, Risk of Rain for me, it was the graphics, the graphic style. I hate yeah. controlling a character that looks like it's two pixels tall. <laughs> I just, I feel like I don't have control over the character. And then Rogue Legacy was different. I know this is another topic for another time, but you brought it up, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Rogue <laughs> Legacy was fun and it was cute but the art style didn't appeal to me that Same much here. even though yeah. I played it for I probably put a couple dozen hours into it oh okay but nothing like I did with Isaac or Spelunky or yeah uh, even gonna be Dead Cells soon I think I put about 20 hours into Dead Cells at this mm. point but that's throughout early access too uh, other than that I'm going to a local wrestling show this weekend which by nice. the time this episode airs I will have already gone to I'm excited for that because I haven't... It'll be my second ever live wrestling show, my first non-WWE show. And I just 
fucking bought tickets for WWE SmackDown Live coming to Portland in October. I am very oh, excited nice. for that. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good news. I should just hold up a Pushing Buttons podcast sign, because <laughs> I know at some point that sign's going to be on TV. That's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me know uh, what channel that comes on, and I'll watch it. USA Network, Tuesday at 5. <laughs> Wait, no, it'd be 8 o'clock. If you get the Eastern feed, it's at 5. That'd be awesome. If, <laughs> yeah, we catch you like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be like, uh, do you have like seats picked out? Or? Yeah. Oh, are you like in the front? No. Um, mo- a lot of the front row seats are reserved seats, VIP seats and stuff like oh, okay. that. Oh, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, I'm not on the floor section. I'm on the first section before that or like after that, yeah, I guess. like in the bleachers kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. There's three sections of the those mm-hmm. after the floor. I'm in the first one, second row. Is it Moda Center? Yes. So cool. it, they're not terrible seats, but they're not great seats either. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Not as close as my first WWE show where <laughs> I was in the actual third row on the floor. but uh. <laughs> Very cool. I'm excited for you. Also, uh, Blizzard, just to bring it back to what Kyle started off with, announced that they're working on several Diablo projects right now. Oh, they I missed I'm really that. excited. Really? Yeah, several of them is what they said. Or multiple oh. is how the lady put it. Um, huh. It's going to be a long time before any of them are done, but she said that there's going to be stuff to show off this year for at least one of the new Diablo projects that are Interesting. going on. What would that be? Yeah, I, it kind of has me worried that they say multiple Diablo projects, and they're yeah. not talking about seasons for Diablo 3 because she talked about that separately. Hmm. So, Like spinoff games. Maybe. I don't know if it's going to be another card game or is oh, it that, Diablo. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Since Hearthstone is blown up so big, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that. Uh, or, if, I know everybody's waiting for Diablo Four. I'm, I can wait for Diablo Four. I'm not super like I have to have it now, mm-hmm. but it, it'd be nice to hear it announced. Mm. That sounds like you had an awesome week. It's been a good week. I realized that this year I'll have gone to Las Vegas, gone to two WWE events, at least one other local wrestling event. And Metallica. Metallica at the end of the year. All in the same calendar year. Mm-hmm. That's a good year. Plus plan my mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah. yeah. I tell you guys, even years are way better than odd <laughs> I might have to pay attention to that. <laughs> like like for your personal lives, even years are better. But for odd years, the games are better. <laughs> <laughs> but games okay. are lives. Games are our lives. <laughs> I challenge you to look back on your gaming history. Well, then how do you explain this year? Because you've had God of War and then... This is the first year Red to Dead's upset that. Up. <laughs> Speaking, though, of Red Dead Redemption 2, the trailer, the game play, first gameplay trailer... Absolutely. ...just came out oh, yesterday. Today. Just today for us. this morning. Today for us. And I got to say, that got me excited for it. I'm actually thinking about breaking my no pre-order rule. Oh. Oh, I'm very debating, good. I'm considering yeah. it. Don't it get the version incredible. without the game. <laughs> yeah, that's. I hate that. Yeah, I want to have sucks. a whole episode on pre-order culture and stupid practices that publishers put in the mm. practice there. But I'm actually considering doing that just so I can get the twenty percent off from Amazon. Or yeah, if it qualifies, because I hear they're doing less qualifying. Really, Amazon pre-order games now. Yeah. Oh, well, the two games I I pre-ordered: Assassin's Creed and Forza Horizon Four, and those were both. Included with the 20% okay. off, so... Cool. Everything I've seen lately has still had that. Hmm. I, I gotta look back at where I read that. Yeah. 
And then as of the other day, Red Dead was currently unavailable for pre-order on Amazon. So, yeah, not sure what's up with that. But that trailer, guys, that's the the thing that we're talking about before we get to the main topic of the show. That trailer. It was incredible. It got me stoked for it in a way that I wasn't even excited for the first Red Dead Redemption. Like, I loved that game at the time. Like, when I, that first night that I played that game, I really enjoyed oh, it. Yeah. But I couldn't get back into it after that first night mm-hmm. the same way. Interesting. Um, this Red Dead Redemption 2, just the variation in the settings and the towns. And mm-hmm. the first thing that caught my attention is when you're in a fist fight with somebody, how the townspeople just started gathering around to watch, like you always see in those move in Western yeah. movies and TV shows. <laughs> that didn't happen in the first Red Dead game or in the first Red Dead Redemption game. I doubt it happened. No, people in Revolver, would but... still, you know, go about their business. Yeah. And it just that little bit of realism just. Mm-hmm. It the detail, sucks you into that yeah. that atmosphere, and that's what I want in a game. It seems like there's a lot of that, a lot of those little details. Like, I know when Kyle and I were watching it, we were geeking out over, like, the smallest things, like the raindrops during that fist fight, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. all muddy, and the raindrops in the puddles You see the, mud, the actual raindrops in the mud, and it's just like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. Do you know one thing I forgot to mention in my pet peeves list? What's that? I just now thought of it. When it's raining in a video game and you get the drops smearing on the camera, (laughs) how does that not take people out of the game? It's like, oh, yeah, there's a lens here. It's kind of Especially when it's not in a movie because in a movie, yeah, water gets on the actual lens recording it. But in a video game, there's no physical lens there for water to drip on. If you're in the atmosphere, it's not like water drops drop and smear down your eyes. (laughs) I wear glasses and it doesn't even happen that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it can be immersive, like in first-person games. Like uh, I know for Metroid Prime, they did that. If it's like on a visor, like on a in visor. Metroid Prime, or yeah. in uh, Star Wars: Republic Commando, or something like that, yeah. or Halo. But yeah. if, in a third-person game specifically, <laughs> like Tomb Raider, I think the Tomb Raider reboot in 2013, I think mm. they did a lot of that. Um, Uncharted does that. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of those third-person games mm. do that, and it just aggravates. So would that translate yeah. to to like when the blood splatters on the screen yeah. too? Then yeah, what generative health? Yeah. It, it, it just takes me out of the experience. Mm. I've never thought about it too hard. I'm sorry if I just, that, like, shattered that for you. I'll never be the same. <laughs> the cinematic experiences are ruined. <laughs> Is there anything but, that caught your guys' attention, though, about that specifically? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were mentioning the details and the reloading animations for each weapon. That's cool. I didn't really... I didn't care about that so much. It's cool. But. And then, of course, like you said, like the detail in the environments and the variety. Yeah. Like, I thought it was like four or five different games in one. Yeah. They had like a Skyrim-looking area. <laughs> uh-huh. They had desert. They, they had, had like snow. Mesas. Yeah. Mesas. Yeah. Swamp. Yeah, the swamps. Swamp. Bring an alligator coming out. That was cool. Like the big city with the lights. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man. The big city Sign lights. Me up. Yeah, I was excited about... Like, when they first announced it, I was kind of like, uh, it just seems like a lot of micromanaging, but the the camp setting and having that hub and I having agree. to find food and everything, but seeing it in the gameplay trailer, it's I'm actually kind of excited for that and actually having, like, actual NPCs that will have natural conversations and stuff like that. Yeah. That'd be I, cool. Yeah. I feel like that would, having that natural hub there that's... It's implemented more in the game rather than as a stationary thing separate from the game. Could actually get me to keep replaying that game. It's something that if there's a specific goal entailed with that, like they said, feeding the your your, Mm -hmm. the the 
what your crew, whatever yeah. they called them. Your the gang. Pe- your gang, thank you. They called them a posse in the first one, but your gang yeah. uh, in this one. And making sure that they're happy, keeping your horses happy. Yeah. That was... Oh, that's another thing I forgot to mention. The horse animation. It looks really good. Like, there was a portion where he's, like, turning around in his horse. Oh, my God. I thought I was watching, a like, a real-life horse. <laughs> they made that look really good. I didn't care so much for how detailed the hair looked when he was brushing it. Because, like I said, to <laughs> oh, the, Tomb Raider, the Tomb Raider reboot crashed my computer with her hair when I had the hair tessellation on. Well, this is on the <laughs> PS4 Pro. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. And I'm like, hell yeah, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, graphics I don't care about. But the, the style of it, I do. Is that what you're buying it on, Robert? Is PS4? Um, I'd get it on my one because I like the controller better. But we got to play so, multiplayer together. That's what I was going to say. If yeah. we were all going to get it on I don't and have... to play Red Dead Online, I would consider... That'd getting a, it on PS4. That'd be a bit of a money sink for me because I currently don't have an active PS Plus subscription. Well, yeah, same here. That's yeah. true. Okay. I don't either. <laughs> so then we'd all Forgot have to buy that. the game and a PS Plus yeah. subscription. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be getting it on my one no matter what, gotcha. but I would consider getting a second copy, I guess. It's going to be one of those things where Rockstar releases it several times because they'll do... Uh, yeah. I'm sure they'll do a PC. I really hope they'll do a PC version of it. I at don't some know because they still haven't released the PC version of the original. But GTA V did so well for them on PC. Well, yeah, it did. Yeah. So there's no reason for them not to. Hmm. I'd be stunned if they didn't. I would be too. If you I, say if they did or didn't. If they did not port it. Okay. Yeah, I would be. Actually, I'd be stunned either way. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever it gets announced, you're just gonna be like, "Oh my god, I didn't expect this." <laughs> I'm super excited for that now. Yeah. Well, I know one feature I'm excited about is playing Liar's Dice again. Yeah. And if all three of us were playing on the console <laughs> together, How that'd are you be awesome. With, were you with us when we played that in person, like in real life? Yeah. With Tyler? Yeah. Okay. That was a great time. Well, we did that several times, but yeah. it was uh, that was a lot of fun. That's Liar's Dice isn't so bad, but that's... Since you brought up your pet peeves again, that could be another one of mine is like any kind of mini game, like card game or anything in a game, I don't care for, like Gwent and Witcher 3. I'm just totally bypassing all that stuff. I understand. Or like when there's casino games and stuff, I just... It's not for everybody. I hate it when there's quests tied to it because then I feel like I have to do it and I don't want to do it. For me, none of them will live up to Pazak. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I remember loving yeah. Kazak at the time, but anytime I go back and try playing KOTOR now, I hate it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why. Maybe just my mindset now is different. But yeah. the Fire's one game could be fun, though. The best one of that is Triple Triad in Final Fantasy. That's the best card game in a single player game, in my opinion. I, I mean, I see why you hate Gwent, though. It, it gets really hard. If you don't really, it's it's, sim- it's simple to understand. Yeah. I just yeah, it's just a pain in the ass to uh, yeah do all those quests, and you don't want to do it. I, I totally get you. Yeah. It, apparently, enough people wanted to do it that they made it a separate standalone game that you can get outside. <laughs> I did play the beta for that. Oh yeah, and I did, I don't know why, but it just wasn't thrilling. Like Hearthstone <laughs> has this like production value that Blizzard is so good at. Yeah, and for Gwent, like it's just not there. Mm. Well. I do have to ask, tying this into the main topic, what does make you... I, I am legitimately curious about this. What does make you go back and keep playing Hearthstone? Like, well, Do you uh, have set objectives? Because I, I know when we first started this podcast, the first episode of this, you were talking about how you were trying to rank up to the max rank. Legend rank, yeah. Yeah, 
and that you finally did. I did in uh, back in May. Yeah. And uh, actually, no. What am I talking about? Was that May? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now I kind of just play to get to rank five, more so to experience the meta because I really enjoy creating decks that are my own. Okay, I get you. But to level in the ladder, you have to play like a home brew deck that's been made by somebody else that everybody's playing. Okay. Because, you know, that's the only way to rank up is yeah. if you know the meta. Right. So you have to constantly play different types of decks. But I really enjoy, like, my own creations when I am able to do them at the beginning of an expansion. Gotcha. Uh, that's what I'm hoping to do more of coming up this weekend <laughs> is because uh, exp- I only played Warriors so far. So and there's eight of the classes I want to try. So each new expansion or each new season for the rankings, that's kind of like a new puzzle for you to figure out. Yeah, basically every, each game is like that, and that's what I enjoy about it. Okay. Uh, it's just like a brain – like you guys play uh, Picross? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I imagine it's a similar thing. Like you enjoy solving the puzzle of the day or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I mean, with card games it's different, but at the same time I I do find the mechanics fun. Like trying to get lethal or having a weird wind condition pop out of nowhere randomly that you have to try and make the best use of. Because a lot of people put down the game for the random element of it. Mm. It's good and bad. Like it's more so bad than good. <laughs> but uh, basically when you get a random card that you know you have to make use of to win, it, I think that's where I get joy from the game. Gotcha. See... My perception of that game, and it's prob- it was probably close to accurate when the game was in beta and then when it first released, because that's when I played it was in beta. Mm. Um, I hated a game where you had to have a specific deck to win. Yeah. It was There was no str- a strategy in trying to figure out what to play. It was if you don't have the cards, you're screwed. If you do, you win. There's a huge barrier in that, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And that blocks me from wanting to play. If there's a puzzle to figure out and there's one surefire way to win every time, I'm not going to play that game. Yeah, Because exactly. then what's the point? Yeah, there's no fun to be had. Yeah. If you're the best, then what more is there to look forward to? Exactly. Yeah. So for me, it's just, I, I just enjoy playing the game. It's a good brain workout. Gotcha. Yeah. That's honestly how I see The Binding of Isaac, and that's why I continue to play that game. I wanted to, yeah, flip that and say, why would you... Play like so many roguelikes. Like, what's the goal? What's the motivation for that? Well, specifically with the Binding of Isaac, each run is so varied, so different that because now there's I don't even know how many items there are in that game, and yeah. each yeah. one can change the run. And yes, there are in the the original Flash version of the Binding of Isaac. If you got Guppy, you won. And there were only like seven or eight items in the Devil the Devil Deal pool, mm-hmm. and you were surefire to get Guppy every time if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But in now that there are so many items and there's good items and bad items, mediocre items, and you have a higher chance of seeing the lower, the lesser of the items and stuff, it's it, it's just so much variation that every time you play it, it, it can be a completely different experience. And trying to figure out the item synergies, how they all work together with one another to make your run more fun, and experiencing new ways to die in Spelunky is one of my favorite things to do in that game see that's where i kind of differ like with binding of isaac like you want to build like the ultimate build right so you can steamroll the game at least in my opinion that's not how i play it okay i play the game like i'll intentionally take crap items to try to make it a challenge for myself to see if i can beat the game with a crappy item okay Hmm. 
Um, I don't do that all the time, but about half the time I do that. Like, this item sucks. Tiny Planet is an item that makes your tears revolve or, like, circle around you instead of just shoot straight forward. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, in my opinion, one of the hardest weapon items in that game to control. Because you you seriously don't have control over it. And it makes it a, a really tough challenge, but the challenge is getting past those first few floors and hoping that you get an item that turns that around to make it either if you get brimstone and it's just a, a cake walk from yeah, there. Yeah, basically, yeah. Or if you maybe not even luck into an item, but you have enough skill to avoid getting hit to get a good item from there. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it's all in how you want to play it. And if that's how you're wanting to play it is to just get the best build and steamroll it, that's where I wouldn't have fun with it, like with Hearthstone. I see. And other roguelites are the same way for me. What would you say, like, Spelunky has more, var- like, variety than Binding of Isaac? Absolutely not. Uh, Spelunky is not meant for its variety. Spelunky, there are, like, nine items in the game. Mm-hmm. And, yes, they can change how you play the game. The jetpack and the cape make give you more mobility. Um, the, 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 the pitcher's mitt yeah. gives you a little bit of mobility in how you interact with things and how you throw things but it's all in a, that game is all about learning the mechanics of the whip the jump and run and then from there the enemy patterns from there knowing the pathing through the levels because even though it's procedurally generated you can know you can learn how the procedural generation generation works to the point where you can just look at a level how it starts and know how to finish the level without looking so essentially. Would, would you prioritize like achievement hunting first in those kinds of games or just having fun, like testing out builds? So in Isaac, there are too many too many achievements for me to ever want to get. And the, some of them require a challenge that's beyond my skill capabilities that I don't want to challenge myself to get. Mm. Spelunky, I thought that was the case, even though there are only 20 achievements on Steam. There are some that were just damn near impossible to get, but I did get them. I, that one I challenged myself to get because I loved the mechanics of the game so much, and that's what kept me playing. I Seriously, to this day, that game's been out since, what, 2012? Oh, man, a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, uh, I still play that game and find new ways to kill myself in that game. <laughs> and it's always hilarious, and it's not in how specifically Derek Yu programmed that game to work. It's in what he made how it all comes together and how it all interacts with each other. Like you can accidentally whip a rock into an explosive barrel that blows you into an enemy that'll eat you. (laughs) Random stuff like that can happen. Just you won't even know that you're going to do it until you do it. And then you see it and it just makes you (laughs) like roll on the floor laughing. I can see why that would appeal. It's hilarious. (laughs) It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's endless joy. Excellent. That's how I see pretty much every roguelite, but to me, Binding of Isaac and Spelunky are the barrier, or like the yeah, the, bar. the top two. Yeah, very good. Yeah. I'll ask you, Robert. Then, sure. with your first-person shooters, hmm. do you play them? And I, I we've talked about this a little bit before, but you play them usually specifically for the story, right? Yeah. So, do you replay? Do you replay any of them or just the ones that have really good story that you want to experience like a movie again? Or what compels you to keep playing those or play them again? Like I said, it's been, besides for the Far Cry series, it's been years since I've played like either Destiny or Halo, which are the last two like first person shooters I've played. Um, I used to go back and replay those back on the 360 days. 
not Destiny, but Halo, because I enjoyed the story and going through all that. But, um, yeah, no. Do you, just, did you go through and try to collect all the, the skulls? <laughs> I did, I think, on Halo 3 I did. Okay. Oh, the skulls. Um, I think I even did that, too. Yeah, yeah, I know you did. Yeah. I remember watching you do that. Oh, you do? I do. At least in oh. Halo, I think it was 3 or Reach. Yeah. But. Huh. Yeah, 3 I did. Uh, I think I went back after my first playthrough and did that. So I remember there was ones where uh, it was like Nathan Fillion voiced... A couple of characters in that game, I think, and ODST? so I wanted. To... In Halo Three. Oh, Halo Three. Yeah, he oh, that's was right. Not like he... main character. He oh, was... right. Okay. You know, like you could always find those secret areas where they had like yeah two soldiers talking or whatever, and I just sit there and listen game. to them. And um, but yeah, it's basically it's just for the story. Like I don't really do. I don't go out of my way to do achievement hunting anymore. Gotcha. I'm I'm the um, same way now myself. Yeah, I just. When they come to me in my natural play, you know, it's cool. Or if I, like, look and I see I'm close to something, I'll try to get it. But pretty much it's the story that drives me the entire time. Did, if the if a game had a lackluster story but mechanics that were really fun to play, like Far Cry 3, mm. or I don't know how any of the Far Cry games were past that. That was the last one I played. But mm. for me, I could go back maybe in five years from now and play Far Cry 3 again and have a good time with it mm-hmm. simply based on the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would make you replay the game again? A game that you enjoyed the mechanics of but the story sucked? I'm trying to think of any examples. Far Cry 3. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't remember hating the story or thinking it was bad or anything. I think I, I probably didn't pay attention to the story much because gotcha. of okay. the mechanics. So yeah, That makes sense. Um, I do like to, if it's been a long enough period of time, I do enjoy going back and re-exploring and re-opening like stuff up and unlocking it and all that. And so, Is that specifically in an open world? Yeah. Okay. So for like, we've talked about it before, I think, on the open world one where it's hard to go back and replay open world because you feel like you've already discovered something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if it's been a long enough period of time, that's like, oh yeah, I remember that. And like uh, with the remaster of Far Cry 3. I do want to go back and play that because it's been so long since I've played that. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of replayability for me for most games like that. It's mostly games like Bioshock where I've replayed multiple times because of, even though you know where the story is going, I want to experience it again mm-hmm. because of the movie quality. And I think that's yeah. I think that's the biggest reason why I would replay something. Gotcha. Yeah. I kind of want to challenge you to play a, one of those roguelites that I talked about. and I, I do like the art style of Dead Cells. I, I was looking up a video of it. I mean, I wouldn't force you to play it, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I wouldn't play it with the the hope or the expectation that you would come out loving it. Right. I want to just see how you react to playing one of those and for whether science. or not you would... For science, yeah. <laughs> to see if you would keep playing it. Or mm-hmm. not? Just as somebody that doesn't play that genre, that style of game, mm-hmm. I really wonder how you'd how you'd react to playing a game like that, especially a really good one like Dead Cells. Well, I think you should gift it to him, and then he'd be obliged to play. He doesn't have Steam. I'd have to. He doesn't have a computer. Oh no! Just buy it on PS4. Yeah. Is it on Xbox One? I, don't know. I know it's on Switch <laughs> and PS4. I don't know if it's I'll on have a PS4 in less than a month. 
buy it for me. That's fair. I'll take it. That's fair. I might actually do <laughs> oh, that. Oh, we got to do like a Christmas episode where we exchange gifts. That would be fun. That'd be fun, yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Like that. <laughs> that would that'd be fun. That'd, that'd be, be like that'd ultra be fun. fun. <laughs> We'd push each other's buttons. I like uh, it. I think I would enjoy experimenting with that, though. Like I said, I did a little bit with Limbo. and I don't consider them the same style of game. <laughs> Let's see. To me, that remains to be yeah. changed in Once, my mind. So. Limbo's a puzzle I... platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, semantics. That's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I would really be curious mm-hmm. to see. See, it. I feel like it'd be hard for me to continue playing a game like that because, to me, there's no... There's not a good enough goal at the end for me to get to. It's not just... I don't care about just finishing the game. I think in those games, the goal's not as apparent. I, I want to go on a soapbox about roguelites, but I'm going to save that for <laughs> yeah, another let's, time. Let's dive into like uh, goals and linear-based games. Okay. Like, what compels you to pick up a narrative? Like, a, for a, for a game like that, like what hooks you onto the game's narrative? Like, what's what's driving you to complete the narrative? Setting and characters. Would you say yeah. uh, is it gameplay related? No, Mass Effect had. Terrible gameplay. The shooting mechanics in the first Mass Effect were terrible. But the characters and the setting and the environment and the writing so, was uh, fantastic. Hmm. So I played that one five times. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say, uh, for you, Robert, is it more of that cinematic experience like which you gravitate towards? That kind of compels you to finish a game? Yeah. I think a lot of times it's hard for me to start something and not finish it, even if I not enjoying it that much because I don't like leaving things undone, you know, especially if it's a story. Even if it's terrible, I want to see how it ends. Yeah. I don't like leaving it hanging. So that was a question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, let me, let me, uh, me give you my point of view. So I find it more so like my goal in playing a linear based game is to mm-hmm. master the mechanics of the game. So kind of like what you were saying with your roguelikes. You like to experiment with builds. You get joy out of it. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I love like maxing a character mm-hmm. in a game. That's like one of the most uh, finite points of where I feel satisfied in yeah. that particular game. Uh, like, for example, the latest God of War game. Like uh, I 100% the hell out of that game. And I will have to say like it's even above dark souls for me wow which is saying a lot <laughs> wow yeah. because finding those valkyries it took everything i learned about dark souls but it gave it a lot higher like uh satisfaction in completing those challenges gotcha because the reward you get for killing them like you feel like a freaking badass <laughs> but you become an even bigger badass from all the stuff you get from them yeah in Dark Souls, it's kind of like that too, but you just get like a currency to level up your character. Gotcha. You don't necessarily get weapons or abilities. You just learn move sets that are already programmed into the weapons. But in God of War, you actually get equipment that are, like changes your playstyle. And for me, I just really love it when a game like pushes you to the wall, and the only way to you know, get through is to push back. And that that's what ultimately drives me to complete a game, mm-hmm. is to overcome that challenge. 
and on that topic, there's something that I dislike in linear games, and that is a leveling system. Hear me out. God of War did it in a way that I liked a lot because you didn't have the only level that you had was kind of like a total summation of the gear that you had equipped and you find gear in the same way you would in any other linear game like upgrading your gear you find it Mm -hmm. you don't have to unlock it yeah in like assassin's creed when you had an actual level system you had skill points and stuff assassin's creed origins Mm -hmm. i didn't care for that as much no same here in a linear game Mm -hmm. and and i say linear in the fact that it had a story beginning middle and end i I know it's an open world game but Mm -hmm. in in a a game that has a story, I don't so much care for that level of RPG elements for the most part, um, unless it's going to change the game enough to the fact where to the point of like Kotor Mass Effect, where the different classes had different play styles altogether and changed mm-hmm. the way you play the game. Um, when Assassin's Creed does that, it's probably why I'm not going to get the Greece one. Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not going to get that because I don't. I, I, I'm it's still way, waiting to see, but it's way too close to Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, well, not like, just that, but yeah, like they're going more RPG anyway. with it. Yeah, as well. which I thought I wanted that. I really mm-hmm. did. And after playing Origins, I'm just now realizing that's not what I want. <laughs> Assassin's Creed game. I want a more confined experience that has mm-hmm. a good narrative to it, because that's what drew me into Assassin's Creed to begin with. Yeah, I agree. They they could go back to that. It's going to take a long time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in this current cycle, we're only on the second game, so we got at least two more. Yeah, I think. One thing I do love doing in linear games, or even I guess especially open world games, is trying to test the boundaries. Like I'll keep trying to find ways to get outside of the world or to <laughs> do stupid, ridiculous yeah. things. And this comes from my uh, old school first person shooter days of strafe jumping. Something as simple as. Oh yeah moving faster than you're supposed to be able to move. Mm-hmm. Like Quake 3 Arena was the first game that I experienced where strafe jumping was a, a normal way of moving. And if you don't know what that is, Robert, it's when you... Do you know what that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's... Just simply put, you're moving faster than you were originally meant to move. Mm-hmm. Just ever since then, I've always wanted to figure out these little things in that style of game to make it kind of more fun and play outside of the boundaries that they had set for me. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of like my... F you for giving me this stupid, <laughs> bland game. I'm going to try to have fun with it. I kind of do that with first-person shooters a lot. I do, too. Um, I think what's great about those is, you know when you first play a first-person shooter, each one's different because the handling is different for mm-hmm. how the gun moves mm-hmm. on the screen oh, yeah. in relation to your controls. And uh, I love like just like the climax of the narrative for a first-person shooter because you have the widest variety of weapons to use, and you have these huge set pieces where you just blow enemies out of the way. Like, uh, Wolfenstein New Order was freaking awesome for this. Like, uh, there's this shotgun you get later in the game, and uh, you just mow these enemies down like nothing. <laughs> and it's it, you feel like a master of the mechanics, and as well as like your character, how it moves. Like you were mentioning, ju- like, strafe jumping. Like, uh, like... Mastering the sprint button in relation to the crouch button and like sliding, <laughs> and while you're mid sliding, you I just love that in video games. you know like Matrix style. I love that in first person shooters specifically when they yeah. allow you to like shoot while you're sliding mm-hmm. and you go into a slide from running and ducking. Or like if you, for example, I haven't played Titanfall, but just using it as an example, like if you're wall running, 
and you get an awesome kill. Like I, that's what I see the appeal of for those types of games in multiplayer. Gotcha. But for me, I don't like multiplayer components because I just like to master the mechanics on my own against fixed enemies. I think that's why Stranglehold was so fun. <laughs> it was it was all about mastering, yeah. like trying to see how many carts you could slide over in yeah. each room. <laughs> like you have three enemies to kill, how many carts can you slide over to kill all three enemies? <laughs> I mean, I gotta ask you, Robert. Do you enjoy that kind of thing, like just mowing down enemies in a first person shooter? Like you know, just feeling like a badass in the moment. Yeah, I think anyone enjoys that. I don't think I've ever. Made it like a goal. Yeah. I've never particularly, it's never stood out to me as something that's, oh, this, is, this feels so good. It's I'm just, right there with you. It's just kind of like, I just see it as the natural progression, I guess. And I, Be, Because I, I know you guys mentioned, like, you hate time trial things. Mm-hmm. But that's what I love about first-person shooters in particular. Like Wolfenstein the Old Blood, they had these challenge maps. And you'd have to clear a certain amount of enemies before you, you know, get your time and mm-hmm. what color metal whatever and that's what i find most appealing about playing first person shooters is that particular element Hmm. more so than anything else like i don't know about you guys but do you i know you don't like multiplayer games like uh with red dead redemption 2 coming out like what would you feel like is the motivation for that like the main goal for that for the multiplayer yeah because in Red Dead Redemption 1, there's the posse of, like, eight people. Yeah. I wouldn't think I'd have a goal. Like, with GTA 5, a few times I did play it online, it was just a couple of guys getting online and just seeing what kind of weird stuff we could do and <laughs> just having just, fun. I was going to say yeah. the same thing. Messing yeah. around and doing things. Like, we ended up on top of, there's, like, four of us, I think, on top of one of those giant wind turbines. <laughs> we were just <laughs> up top, and we were, like, like scaring each other and then we were taking turns like shoving one guy off and then he'd like fall down onto the part like connected to the blades but he didn't fall all the way down but you son of a bitch (laughs) like that to me not i don't like competitive multiplayer yeah but that kind of social multiplayer i can get behind that's it kind of goes along with what i was saying about testing the boundaries of a game and yeah. I, I do enjoy that in multiplayer. That's, that's the one type yeah. of thing I enjoy in multiplayer. Exactly, yeah. And that's the only reason I think I'd ever played No Man's Sky in multiplayer is because of how open and free that world is. It mm-hmm. gives you free reign to do whatever the hell you want with three other people. Mm-hmm. And you could create all sorts of weird stuff. Like uh, Sean Murray posted that little mm-hmm. gif on uh, Twitter. I think it was him that posted of him cl- climbing up like into the atmosphere, yeah. like building <laughs> a building up to the atmosphere and diving mm-hmm. off of it. And he, he was, like, diving down for, I think it was, like, a minute, 20 seconds was, or something like that. Yeah. And landed in a little pond and didn't die. <laughs> Just stupid stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that kind yeah, of Yeah, that's stuff. what I would enjoy from multiplayer in that, if that were to happen. I think that's what uh, made me call Star Wars Galaxies one of my favorite games of all time if not my favorite game of all time, was that social aspect of just screwing around and living in the Star Wars universe. Exactly, yeah. And you could just hang out in a cantina and virtually drink and listen to music and just chill with your buds. You know, just take the inconvenience of going out and getting drunk. Exactly. (laughs) And just do it from home in the comfort of your own home. If you're at a bar and you get pissed at someone, there's going to be a fight, there's going to be hurt feelings or something, just turn off your computer if you don't want to talk to those scumbags (laughs) anymore. (laughs) No big deal. 
Exactly. You know, just <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> no drama. Exactly. Kevin, I think you're more so about finding the thrill of the moment. Like, for example, with your builds, like you specified, like how you would experiment with different ways of different items, I, different items, different yeah synergies. That's yeah. a good word. Perfect. Uh, and also, like the mechanics of the game being used against you mm-hmm. in a funny way. Like that's what I think you seek the most mm-hmm. in your gaming style, or your gaming choices. Even in a game like Life is Strange. I try to go out of my way to do stupid stuff. Oh, like, can I interact with this? Can I talk to this person? I really <laughs> want to choose something else here, but the option I want isn't listed. Stuff like that. Mm. And Robert, I think for you, it's to just turn off your mind and just get sucked into the story. Like, you just love experiencing that uh, line. <laughs> you like experiencing that narrative, yes. that beginning, middle, and end, and having that, that conclusion, that satisfying story end mm-hmm. is what you seek. Yes. yes. Kyle, you're about feeling like the big man on campus in a game. Empowered. Yeah. Exactly. You want to be stronger, bigger, badder, faster than the Absolutely. enemies in the game. Yep. And that's what drives you to play. Now, I don't think any... Any reason to play a game is a bad reason. Even any reason beyond, unless it's cyberbullying, that's a terrible reason to play mm. a game. But if you're having fun playing a game and it's not harming anybody, there's no wrong way to eat a. Re- there's no wrong way to play a game. <laughs> I don't know if I can even <laughs> quote that. You didn't say it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, I think. For each of us, there's there's a set way to play a game. Like I know there's a lot of instances where developers would be like, you have to play it this way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who just say, F you. That's why PC games with mods are great. Exactly. Like, that's a great example. Like, Do you... I don't know. You, you don't mod anymore, really. No. But what would you say was a motivation that. That was just to find new ways to play a game. Basically to kind of put your own spin on it. Well, I didn't. I fiddled around with trying to make maps in Quake 1, and the only one that ever was close to fully finished was... I did two. I Oh, I called one Tricks and Traps, which was an ode to Doom 2's Trials and Tribulations map. And that was just all about trying to create puzzles they were really stupid and i never (laughs) even got close to finishing that level but it was it was kind of my ode to doom and then the only other one i did i started doing was the wcw monday nitro arena (laughs) i made it so that there are like six different locker rooms in the backstage area and if you walked right past the door of each one they all had a different theme song that started playing and I of course downloaded the actual <laughs> wrestler theme songs and put it in that, the level of the game and made the arena with the ring and everything <laughs> I had a lot of, of fun course. with that but I, I didn't get into actual creating mods so much myself except for that Jedi Knight mm. lightsaber mod which you can find on our YouTube channel link on po- pushingbuttonspodcast.com um, uh, Playing mods, on the other hand, is all about finding a new way to play a game that was not originally intended. Mm. That's that's my view of them. 
I mean, uh, what do you guys think about like specific objectives in games that are like kind of off kilter? Like the first one that sticks out to me was the end of Halo Reach. Uh, basically, it just tells you to survive. Hmm. I'm sure Robert knows what I'm talking yep. about. So basically, at the ending of Halo Reach, you're pretty much finished the campaign. But there's one last your loose one end. last horde mode. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> a lot of games do that too. They do, and I know there's like certain instances where, for cinematic purposes, they'll do that sort mm. of thing. Like I know in God of War, for example, yeah. there's a lot of instances of that as well. But uh, do you guys have like specific moments in gaming that really stuck out to you based on what the objective was at the time? Like, for the example, that survive scenario, like horde mode, that you despise so much, Robert? See, in Halo Reach, it that didn't bug me because there's the culmination of the story. Mm-hmm. And if you had been a fan of the Halo canon at all, like the novels and stuff, you already knew yeah. what was going to happen. That's the so yeah. that was... It was the storytelling device more than you know just oh let's throw this mode in there you know just to plug the mode outside the main game that worked for the story and so i didn't mind that but you want other examples just whatever moments yeah anything that sticks out to you as much as i crap on mass effect 2 and the the idea of the suicide mission and what it ended up being at that very end i love the idea of having to choose what party member would go great for each specific task. Mm. And it's not tell- giving you any hints, really. I mean, if you know your characters, and that's the key, is knowing the characters and what you expect them to be and how you've played the game up to that point, picking yeah. the right character for the right thing, not knowing that it depended on whether or not they did the, you finished all their side missions and got their loyalty or whatever. Mm. But the original idea of that, of how you played a game culminating in a choice that you have to make later to... S- to make those choices mean something. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a really cool concept that Mass Effect 2 started trying to do and then implemented horribly, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like a basic version of a more complex idea. Right, right. And I can't think of any other example of a, of, of a time in a game that I experienced that. It was the first one that came to mind, but something like that. I also think of uh, Shadow of Mordor's nemesis system. That was very natural, yeah. Like the way they naturally like gave you an enemy that loathed you for killing him mm-hmm. or killing his spawn or whatever. I don't know how it goes now. Yeah, I wish I had a, a really cool story to tell. There's a lot of people that have really cool Shadow of Mordor mm-hmm. stories to tell from that nemesis system. I played through that game in its entirety and I don't have any cool story like that that I can remember. I just <laughs> loved my controller whispering, douche! <laughs> to me because the name of the the orc or the orc yeah. or whatever would play through the little the controller mm-hmm. speaker on the ps4 which i hate that gimmick i really do the mm-hmm. speaker con- the controller speaker yeah i hate that but the only time i ever noticed it was in uh the tomb raider reboot mm. i didn't play that on playstation yeah it so would have know. like a i think like the arrow sounds it would have the oh okay like, little things like that there's another one that did something very similar to that. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. I mean, uh, I would say like another reason we strive for goals in gaming is so the game design kind of follows that. 
So you're given like a natural chain of uh, scenes that you have to follow through if you're in a linear game. And then if you're an open world game, you have that too, but you kind of have like all these side things that kind of incorporate into the story, but they're not necessary to complete. I mean, I know I do a lot of achievement hunting, but I feel like my goal for doing all that stuff is more so to experience the world more so than just rushing through it and saying, okay, I'm done. Move on to the next one. Like I actually want to feel like I've lived in the world. I think that's a reason why I strive to complete everything in an open world game. Like uh, I know for Horizon and Zelda and even the Assassin's Creed games recently, like I just feel like I'm on vacation and I just want to experience life as those characters do in their world. And I think like experiencing every little detail in the game kind of gives me like a better understanding and picture of how the world works within the game. I I would love to have that same feeling, but there are so few games that I get into enough to want that. I mean, this is why I'm so amped up for Red Dead Redemption 2 and also for Cyberpunk. I think these games are going to have such great detail. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be cutting edge when they're released. Like, this is going to be the most high-fidelity experience we're going to get for the time being. You know, because VR was a flop. And I still don't think it was a flop. It's it's still a work in progress, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Work. That's probably a better way to put it, yeah. I mean, uh, I remember when Resident Evil 7 came out, I really wanted to play the VR mode. But, Jesus, I <laughs> that would have scared the what? shit out of me. Because, you know, just the base game without VR was scary but you want to live in that world right i do like this is why (laughs) because it goes back to me wanting to be like the empowered you want to know that you can overcome these because in my everyday office life i'm not (laughs) my old mannered kyle (laughs) i mean i want to feel triumphant i want to explore my primal urges like, I'm not a Spartan in real life, but I want to be. <laughs> you know, I want to be a Master Chief in real life, but I can't. And games are the closest thing I could get to experiencing that. That's understandable. I mean, I feel it's a way of improving myself. That's how I see it. Hey, and along those same lines, maybe I'm just looking for something to get me out of the mundane life that I have, and I'm looking for new ways to... <laughs> That's why I look for new ways to play the same mundane game is because in my life it's so simple, boring for the most part. I'm talking about most of my work life, not my personal life, but it's so mundane that I I want things to make it vary. To, I want things to synergize differently <laughs> in my professional life. Well, I mean, we all want that bit of escapism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, we can all relate to it. And Robert just wants to be told a good story so he can sleep well at night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have people out there that drink alcohol and, you know, get addicted, or you have people taking drugs. I mean, these aren't nearly close to being as good as video games are, but video games are addictive as well. Yeah. I mean, I've been there with World of Warcraft, like, it had a huge effect on my life. And it can't be taken too far. Like, uh, I feel like it's already happened again with Hearthstone. <laughs> Guilty pleasures. But, I mean, do you guys have anything like that to share? Like, has the game affected you so much? Like, has it affected your, like, put aside your goals? 
in real life? There's been lots of days where I just don't want to come into work because I want to keep playing the game I just got. <laughs> I think that's about the furthest I've gotten with yeah, it. Really? Too. Yeah. 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 Or, I mean, much smaller scale, but like the Picross game. Yeah. When I started playing you know, earlier this year, I got like one weekend I got super obsessed with it and I just kept pouring money in it to get tokens because I wanted to finish the puzzle pack. And I think I, mean, I was up till like one or two in the morning playing puzzles, and then all next day <laughs> I was playing puzzles. That was bad. That was the last time where something really it was unhealthy for a weekend. <laughs> I think the last time I got super unhealthy with that was once again Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah. It's because I was in high school at the time, and I I hated school. I had good friends in high school, and Kyle, you were one of them, thankfully. But good job. Yeah, good job. Thanks, Roger. <laughs> uh, that was the thing I looked forward to. Anytime that I would go to school, I'd be like, I just want to get through this and not do my homework so I can go home and play Star Wars Galaxies and escape and what I'm doing right now. Basically, yeah, with World Warcraft and me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ever since then, it's been more like, I have an hour, I can play a game. But I mean, you know, it's way different from when we were in school, when we had way more time. Yeah. Even though we thought we didn't. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus, we really did have it good back then. Yeah. All my parents, you know, they were all right. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> that was a weird way of saying that, wasn't it? Sure. All my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. I'm glad that you caught that. Well, I thought you were going to chime in. No, I, I think I've made fun of your <laughs> missteps in speaking enough today. Oh, all my parents. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. This is a very g- general episode. I, I enjoy this. I, I think we should have more episodes like this where we just Off have the a cuff. Lo- yeah have a lo- more loose talk than yeah. than something that we plan ahead of time. This was this was fun. Just something that's more broad, yeah. not something as tightly focused. And I'm glad that it's still something that people listening to this can contribute to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And how would said people contribute to this conversation? Well, Kevin. They can check us out on Twitter at Pushing Buttons P. Ding. Leave us a comment there. Uh, and uh, us. they can also subscribe to us on Castbox. That's how I listen to all of our episodes, and I highly recommend it. I use Castbox myself, though, for all my pro wrestling podcasts mm-hmm. and other video game podcasts I, I listen to. Yeah, I'm not a social media app friendly person. <laughs> so for my old fashioned ass, I love Castbox. Old fast. <laughs> A lot of people use uh, Apple products and iTunes. We're on iTunes. There. We're on Google. We're mm-hmm. on uh, YouTube. The YouTube. Yeah. If you'd like to see Kevin's weekly screenshot for the episode theme, I highly <laughs> Kevin recommend has watching been it doing that way. some great I enjoyed, screenshots for our videos. I specifically enjoyed the, the thumbnail for last week's episode. Especially just because of uh, the guy in Stranglehold sliding on a cart with a, yeah. with a pistol. That was that was great. I it took that, me forever yeah. to find that specific screenshot, <laughs> but it was well worth the time. It actually took me, I think, about a third of the time of editing the, the episode my, to find that one screenshot. My personal favorite is the open world one with Link. <laughs> that, that was Just beautiful. like, oh, I got to explore all this because that captured me playing that game perfectly you can find those all on our youtube channel link to that is on pushingbuttonspodcast.com sooner or later we'll get an actual youtube url of our own but one day until then pushingbuttonspodcast.com uh you can hit us up on twitter like robert said at mm-hmm. pushingbuttonsp and thank you for listening however you're listening feel free to subscribe comment like share yeah. we would appreciate it 
And until next... We'll see you next time. (laughs) Take care, folks. Until next time. We'll see you next time. Take care, folks. Until next time. Bye-bye. Love you.